Amen. Thank you, Aaron, for sharing this beautiful gift, this beautiful message uh, with all of us this morning. Church, good morning. I will be honest with you uh, right here at the beginning. This was a tough one. Um, I had written a bulk of my sermon a couple weeks ago, felt really good about it. And then, of course, um, so I've really struggled with what to share, with what to keep in, what to take out. There have been a lot of rewrites, a lot of versions um, of this sermon. Because I believe that many of you were with me over these last few days. You were with me as you watched news roll in, as missiles were being dropped on Ukraine. You were with me as you watched videos of families saying goodbye to one another, as some of them were staying to defend and protect their home, and others were fleeing for safety. You are with me as you read that letter that Governor Abbott sent to the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services labeling medical treatments for transgender kids as child abuse. And you were probably with me sitting in those feelings, those overwhelming feelings of devastation and heartbreak and anger and frustration and sadness and just an overwhelming feeling of what in the world do I do now? What can I do now? And so in these moments where we are feeling these overwhelmed feelings of, of everything, first I want to say that's completely normal and okay. Because it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to wonder and a lot to know where we are called to live into that work. But when we are faced with unexpected tragedy, my friends, we need an unexpected message of hope. And this morning, I truly believe that God does have a message for us of unexpected hope through unexpected prophets. This morning of Transfiguration Sunday, when Jesus transformed himself and revealed himself to his disciples of who he was, that he was the Son of God. I believe that God will be here in this space revealing who God is and the message of that unexpected hope. And so this morning, I want us to do the work together to unpack what it is we are called to do in the midst of that unexpected tragedy. I hope that we can dive in to hear where God is speaking that unexpected message of hope around the world. And I hope that together we will be encouraged by God's prophetic message of goodness and justice and peace and love and grace. And so I want to dive right into our scripture this morning to introduce you to our very first prophet of the morning. There's going to be a few sprinkled throughout here in the sermon. Our first one, her name is Anna. Now you may not have ever heard of Anna, she is introduced in Luke's gospel right after the birth story of Jesus. And because Mary and Joseph were, uh, would follow traditions, they took Jesus to the temple to be um, presented to God. And it says in scripture that the laws of the Lord, the laws of Moses, it says that every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. And so Mary and Joseph brought a sacrifice and then they presented Jesus to God. 
Scripture goes on to say that Mary and Joseph are met by a name, a man named Simeon, who was righteous and devout and was there representing the temple. But Simeon was not the only pious man that would encounter this holy family. In Luke, in our scripture passage for this morning, Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38, it says this. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there, fasting and prayer, praying night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Now you might be thinking, after I read those three verses, where is the rest of it? <laughs> is that it? Is that all there is about Anna? Um, and friends, I am uh, sorry to say that, yes, uh, the mention of Anna is very brief. It's just those three verses. But there's a lot below the surface. There's a lot to unpack of who Anna is and what she has to share with us. As it's mentioned in scripture, Anna was the daughter of Phanuel and was a part of the tribe Asher. And I want to uh, tell you these two little tidbits. Phanuel, her father's name, means uh, the face of God. And the tribe name Asher means blessed. And so I want you to tuck those two things away into your mind as we go a little bit deeper into Anna's story here. Her husband had died after only seven years of them being married. It shares in scripture that she was 84 years old. And a lot of scholars even debate that she was even older than that. But regardless of how actually old she was, she had been at the temple for a very long time. She had committed herself to praying and fasting and worshiping and being there. And more than likely, after her husband died, she would have been encouraged to go get married and to have children, to connect herself to a man. But instead, she chose to stay single. She chose to share her faith with as many people that would listen and she chose to tell them the news of a savior that was coming, no matter how long it would take for him to arrive. She knew her purpose, and she didn't let anyone or anything get in her way. Her choices would not only affect her life, but the lives of many. The author of Luke purposefully introduces us to Anna as a prophet, and this connects her with all the others who would speak on behalf of the temple. And this, my friends, is a point I think that is worth remembering and worth pointing out because in a patriarchal society, the prominent feature of yet another woman in the gospel of Luke is kind of a big deal. Luke has introduced us to, to Elizabeth and Mary and their songs and has connected them with Anna and her message of goodness. And so that's a pretty big uh, Holy Spirit moment there, if I do say so myself. But unlike Simeon, there is no record um, of her actually talking with Mary and Joseph. There's no record of what she even exactly says. But it does say that she approaches the Christ child and then began to praise God and tell everyone 
about this good news, this child in front of her that would listen. And so everything that Simeon says to the Holy Family, everything that is implied that Anna says about the Christ child points back to Mary's song of praise, but it also points forward. It points forward to Jesus' life and ministry, to his death and to his resurrection. She saw the face of God and had to share about it. And she was and is, I think, an unexpected prophet because a widowed older woman who isn't really recorded in Scripture, only three verses, remember friends, only three verses mention Anna that leave a lot up to the imagination. People may not realize that she has a prophetic message to share with you and with me and with those around her. But she was able to recognize what was right in front of her. She was able to see the promise of a Messiah who was bringing restoration and redemption to all people. She sees the good news that is that child. And then she sent forth to go share that news with anyone who will listen. And I want you to remember, Anna was not one to shy away from a challenge from her call. She wasn't going to let anything stop her from sharing this message. She wasn't going to let anyone stop her from telling them that God incarnate had come to be with us, to walk with us through life, to cry with us, to celebrate with us, to meet us in our pain and our grief. She wasn't going to let anything stop her. Now there's another um, unexpected prophet that I want to share with you this morning Uh, before we move into our modern-day prophet. This one, and hopefully this one, will bring a smile to your face. And I think we all need that this morning. And so I have a phrase that I want to share with you. It's just a five-word phrase. And I want to see if you can finish this phrase. Friends online, you as well, type in the answer if you know. So here we go. You ready? We don't talk about Bruno. Now, it's okay if you, didn't, if you didn't know. That's totally fine. We don't talk about Bruno. Now, if you have young kids, if you have grandkids, if you have nieces or nephews, if you just even have seen a kid in the grocery store, um, or if you yourself are a fan of just really great Disney movies, you have probably heard of the movie Encanto. And we don't talk about Bruno as one of the very famous songs, uh, little ear, earworms that uh, have been sticking into people's heads. But this movie is a really wonderful new Disney movie. And I talk to my nephew uh, pretty often, my nephew Lucas, who is uh, five, almost six, and he loves this movie. In the beginning, he would always ask me, Maggie, have you watched this movie? Have you seen this movie yet? And it was very urgent and very important. And I would tell him, no, not yet. And then it moved into a conversation about, oh, well, here's all the music. And he'd want to sing it for me and want to like talk about all the music. And now it's moved into him suggesting uh, names from the movie to my husband, Will and I, for our upcoming expecting child. So we're just getting the whole span of things uh, from Encanto, which I really appreciate um, Lucas for. Now, if you haven't seen this movie, or if it's been a few days since you've seen this movie, uh, I want to share with you the basic plot summary um, without hopefully giving away too much. The Madrigals are an extraordinary family who live in the mountains of Colombia in a charmed place called Encanto. The magic of the Encanto has blessed every child in the family with a unique gift 
except Mirabelle, who is our main character. However, she soon may be the Madrigal's last hope when she discovers that the magic surrounding the Encanto is now in danger. So now I bet for those of you that haven't seen it are left on a cliffhanger. So you want to go see what happens or you might have been reminded and want to go watch it again for maybe the millionth time. <laughs> Pastor Kathy sent me an article a little while ago about how Mirabelle is a prophet herself. The author of the article, J.R. Forestero, uh, says that Abuela, the head of the family, can, comes to recognize Mirabelle isn't a threat to the family, but she is actually a gift. Herself, she is a gift to the family. You see, Mirabelle doesn't have a gift that is as apparent uh, as the rest of her family. It's, it's a little bit more hidden. But she herself has the gift of perspective. Her heart is the gift because it helps her family see the cracks within themselves, the cracks within their family, and sees how they can work to build together and be stronger together. And her family has overlooked her in the midst of her not being um, able to uh, transform into somebody else or to make beautiful flowers or to do whatever Bruno does that we don't talk about. But they shouldn't have done that because her perspective and her heart and her voice were needed. And so another strong young woman who has not let adversity stop her, we saw her just a few minutes ago, Amanda Gorman. She is a poet whose work focuses on issues of oppression and feminism, marginalization and racism. And you probably know her best from her work that she shared at the inauguration of Joe Biden. And maybe you followed her, have been following her afterwards and have seen uh, videos like that of the work that she's been releasing. Or maybe you have her new book like I do on your nightstand. Amanda Gorman was born in Los Angeles, California and was raised by her mother, um, who was a sixth grade English teacher. She has a couple of siblings, one of them being a twin who is an activist and filmmaker herself. She grew up with an auditory processing disorder and is hypersensitive to sound. And she had a, 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 speak, a speech impediment during her childhood. She went through speech therapy uh, in her childhood. And she's always said that it was never a crutch. She always saw it as a gift as something special. And this is what she says about it. She says, I always saw it as a strength because since I was experiencing these obstacles in terms of my auditory and vocal skills, I became really good at reading and writing. And goodness gracious, thankful she became so good at reading and writing. She went on to study sociology at Harvard University and graduated in 2020. And where some might point to her journey really beginning was after she watched a speech of Malala Yousafzai, who we heard Reverend Callie preach about last week, she was inspired to become a young delegate for the United Nations. And she's done some really incredible work in her already just very short life. She has founded this organization that encourages young people to write. She has uh, read her poems for the Library of Congress. She's the youngest poet to ever read at a presidential inauguration, and she aspires to one day become president of the United States of America. When I was researching Amanda Gorman, I found this quote from an interview she had with CBS's Anthony Mason, and she said, one of the preparations that I do always 
whenever I perform is I say a mantra to myself, and this is the mantra. I'm the daughter of black riders. We're descended from freedom fighters who broke through chains and changed the world. They call me. And she goes on to say, and that is the way in which I prepare myself for the duty that needs to get done. And I just thought to myself, holy moly, what a way to prepare for the work that needs to get done. She remembers where she has come from. She remembers her ancestors. She remembers those who have come before her. And she allows that to energize her. She allows that to encourage her to speak out about oppression and marginalization and racism and feminism. And what Amanda Gorman and Maribel and Anna all have in common is sharing a message an important message, and not being afraid to do it. They don't let anything stand in their way to get that message to anyone who will listen. Now, being the family pastor here at Arapahoe, I think I have the privilege of being in ministry with people, um, prophetic people, that I think would oftentimes be cast aside for whatever reason. This poster over here that we have been uh, looking at um, over the last couple of weeks as we've been moving through our radical series, this was created by our youth on a Sunday night on our gab uh, when we gather together. It was a part of our prayer stations that we participated with one another. And the, the prompt that was given to them by Amanda was, if you were able to make some good trouble and share a radical message of good news, what would that be in a phrase, in a word, in a symbol and this is what they came up with. The words that they wrote, the conversations that they had as they were putting them down on this paper, the way that they lit up when they thought of another one they wanted to be represented here in worship for all to see. And we also just had a really good time spray painting. I got to be honest. Last week, I posed the question to our little ones um, here at Children's Time. I said, if you had a message of good news to share with somebody, what would you share? And one of our third graders, one of our very wonderful third graders shared this. She said, even if you are going through something really tough, you can get through it. These voices, much like the voice of an old widowed woman or a young black female, uh, might be voices that we don't expect a, a prophetic message to come from. But if you take the time to really listen, to really hear what they have to say, you might be surprised. Also, if you uh, take the time to really listen, you might find that that unexpected prophet is you. And friends, I have seen prophets over the last few days through tragedy and heartbreak, not only colleagues and friends of mine, students current and past, but many of you here at Arapahoe and many of you online I know as well, speaking up and speaking out and sharing a message that transgender kids are loved and seen and that this is a safe place for them that parents of transgender kids who are just doing their very best to take care of their children, just like any parent would, that they are seen and loved and supported. I have seen prophets speak a message of peace and unity for our world as the people of Ukraine live in terror of fear and the unknown. 
As I mentioned earlier, when I read that letter, my heart broke because I have students and volunteers that I have been and continue to be in ministry with who this would affect their very lives, who through this letter, they were told that they do not matter, that they are not worthy, that they do not even um, matter enough to have medical treatments. This letter comes from a place of fear and from people not understanding and not willing to understand. My heart broke for Ukraine as I heard stories and watched videos of what's taking place there. As people mourn and live in fear, as they hear the sirens blaring in their town, warning them of airstrikes. And now, as Pastor Scott has said about himself many, many a times, um, I am not a geopolitical expert by any means. I am far, far from it. But I will tell you what I am. I am a pastor. I am a preacher. I am a follower of Jesus. But more importantly, most importantly, I think, I am a human being. And those things have called me to live a life where I am sharing a message, unafraid to share a prophetic message of, good, of goodness, of God's grace and love and justice and peace. Those are things that I am called to, even in the midst of when I have no idea what to actually say, what words to use, or if I'm terrified to do it, this is something that I still have the privilege and the call to do. And so I am going to do my best to not let anything stop me from sharing that message of redemption and restoration and unexpected hope to a world of unexpected tragedies. In Amanda Gorman's poem that we saw earlier in the video, this is her poem that she wrote for the new year. It's called New Day's Lyric. You may have watched that before. You may have read it before. Um, but I want to read it again for us. And I know that I will never be able to do it justice like she does, but I want to invite you as you listen to this, and I believe the words are going to be up on the screen, and so if you're more of a uh, you-need-to-read-it kind of person, it's going to be up on the screen. But as you read this, as you listen to this, friends, I want you to listen to where God is calling you, calling you, and calling you to be a prophet today. May this be the day we come together. Morning, we come to mend. Withered, we come to weather. Torn, we come to tend. Battered, we come to better. Tethered by this year of yearning, we are learning that though we weren't ready for this, we have been readied by it. We steadily vow that no matter how we are weighed down, we must always pave a way forward. This hope is our door, our portal. Even if we never get back to normal, someday we can venture beyond it to leave the known and take the first steps. So let us not return to what was normal, but reach toward what is next. What was cursed, will, we will cure. What was plagued, we will prove pure. Where we tend to argue, we will try to agree. Those fortunes we foresow, now the future we foresee. Where we weren't aware, we're now awake. Those moments we missed are now those moments we make. 
the moments we meet, and our hearts once all together beaten, now all together beat. Come, look up with kindness, yet for even solace can be sourced from sorrow. We remember not just for the sake of yesterday, but to take on tomorrow. We heed this old spirit in a new day's lyric, and our hearts, we hear it. For old lang syne, my dear, for old lang syne, be bold, sang time this year. Be bold, sang time. For when you honor yesterday, tomorrow you will find, know what we fought need not be forgotten, nor for none. It defines us, binds us as one. Come over, join this day just begun. For wherever we come together, we will forever overcome. And so friends, on this day or in the days to come, if you are feeling helpless, if you are feeling overwhelmed and unsure of what you can do or what you can say, I want you to take a page from Anna or Mirabelle or Amanda and let nothing stand in your way of speaking a prophetic message of unexpected hope, a prophetic message of goodness and grace and justice and love to all those who need to hear it. Be a prophet that no one saw coming. Be not afraid to simply tell someone that they are seen and that they are loved. Be not afraid to have a conversation with somebody so that your heart may open up with more understanding as you hear their story. Be not afraid to challenge people with grace and kindness. And as Pastor Scott has said, I know that Arapahoe will not be afraid to continue to be a place for all people, where all people can come and know and be shown that they are loved, that they are worthy, that they are whole, and that they are loved by God and by us. And I will continue to do my best alongside all of you to use the hands and the feet and the heart that the good Lord gave me to do this work in my own community to do this work in my own circles, with my own communities, other communities, to do this work so that all people can hear a message of unexpected hope. And so friends, will you take this invitation up with me? Will you take up the invitation to be an unexpected prophet today and every day? May it ever be so. Amen.